Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hey, good morning. It's Attorney Vince Davis. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning, folks. Today we're going to be talking about relative placement of children with uh, families. In the typical scenario, the social worker uh, does an investigation, takes the children into custody, now, here's where a lot of lines get blurred. Children end up either in relative custody or with foster care. In California, under Welfare and Institutions Code Section 309, the social worker has an obligation to investigate and to place children with relatives or family friends. And I'm here to tell you that those relatives and or family friends can live in your county, can live outside of your county in the state of California, can live in any state in the United States, or they can live in any country that's part of the Hague Convention Treaty. For example, Mexico is a Hague Convention participant. So if there are are relatives or family friends in Mexico and no relatives here, in the United States, the child or children still can be placed in Mexico. What you will find from many social workers is either the erroneous assertion that children cannot be placed out of your home county. That is not correct. Some social workers know that it's not correct. Some social workers don't realize that it's not correct. I have a theory. The theory is that social workers don't want to place children outside the home county because of federal funding. You see, the funding follows the child. So if a child is, say, for example, the home county is in Los Angeles County, California, and the family wants the child to be placed in San Francisco, the state of California will still get money, but the federal, excuse me, the county of Los Angeles won't because the case has been transferred, the child has been transferred to San Francisco. In another situation where the uh, parent, excuse me, the relative or family friend lives in another state, for example, Florida, is California and the county of Los Angeles won't get any money for the children. The children will be moved to Florida. Hence, the sometimes unwillingness of a social worker to take a child and place the child with relatives outside the state or outside the county or even outside the country. I'm going to take the first call this morning. It's from area code 818, ending in 48. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Good morning. 
Hi, did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Yes, I have a story to tell real briefly, and I have a question to ask. Go ahead. My name is Kim. Okay, my name is Kimberly. Um, basically, I'm I'm 41 years old. I have two children, ages two daughters, ages 13 and 10. In 2008, um, I was working for um, Palmdale uh, Mental Health of America. I was going to Antelope Valley College, and um, I have a family um, that believes in molestation and um all of all of my family members well not all of them most of the men in my family members have been um molesting my cousins even my mother so with my grandmother stemming and i hope this is not you know wrong to say but my grandmother my mom's mom is living but she's the last living descendant of j edgar hoover and which is like terrible is that in 2008 I was telling my um, my family, I don't want to be around you. I was living in Quartz Hills, California. I don't want my children to be a part of this because we were taught we have to walk around these family members and everything is okay. You can't say what goes in the house stays in the house. So I started getting calls from DCFS. Well, my family started calling on me. At that time, I didn't know. Now, I have um, manic depressive only because um, when I graduated from Inglewood High School, I moved to Hawaii. I stayed there for a year and a half. I came back now. My only brother, and he's albino, he's older, but he gave me, you know, marijuana that was laced. So they committed me at 20 years old. But I overcame that. I overcame that. So next thing you know, DCFS comes to my house, and they say that – um. We have accusations. Now, this is in 2008. We have accusations that you're not taking your psych meds, yada, yada, yada. Okay? So the accusations were so strong, you know, and I couldn't support myself, you know, with fighting against them. So they took my kids. They put them in the, in the home with my father. With my father, I, they were gone for six months. I went to the um, Lancaster courthouse, you know, to get my children back. Six months, sir, I got my children back. The father was considered to be an illegitimate father, and that was okay. So now I'm doing good again. I moved to the Van Nuys, California. I'm going to, here I am now, going to Pierce College, doing well. Pierce College, doing well. My daughters are doing good. And staying away from my family, who's out through Inglewood, all them areas. So now, 2012, there was a, um, my auntie had a barbecue in Gardena, California. I take the kids over there. I say, you know, I'm going to, um, you guys want to, um, we had the barbecue uh, for 4th of July. Sir, I didn't see my kids for seven days. My family were hiding out the children, and it's all in the records of uh, Inglewood Police Department. Make a long story short, sir, they were hiding out my kids for seven days. I'm coming to get those two little girls. While they're calling on me, I'm going to the Guardian of Police Station. Inglewood Police Department is telling me you have calls. They're calling on you saying you're unfit. Do you know the Guardian Social, I mean, the um, Los Angeles social workers from La Cienega and Slauson and the Guardian of Police Department? They go in my auntie's house. My mom and my sister, my mom and my auntie were there. Sir, they gave me my children back. I did a voluntary case now. 2013, sir, I closed a beautiful voluntary case with the kids in my home, family press, therapy, and all that. Therapists are telling me in Van Nuys, California, art therapy, you need to stay away from your family. Now, with 2014, now I'm okay. I just closed my case 2013, 14, but my brother and my family tells me, you've told too much. 
you're going to not do good, and we're taking these kids. So at this time, 2014, I have a, um, I developed a bone disorder um, from osteoarthroporosis. So I had this weight loss surgery, lost 340 pounds, and I'm getting sick. But I'm taking care of my children. So now I'm paying Lexington Law. Um, I'm getting ready to go move to Vegas because I'm trying to get away from my family. Now, 2014, sir, we get calls, June, June 2014. My kids have already finished school. They're in day camp. Now, these girls are only 10 and 13 now. So we're going, they're going to day camp. Social workers come to the house. Hi, you know, I'm this social worker from Chatsworth. Now, Chatsworth is where I just closed my voluntary case. The lady tells me these are the accusations. We hear that you're running out the house with your wig off. I mean, just outlandish. And so my daughters are saying, none of this is true. None of this is true. So now I'm really scared. I'm afraid of DCFS. So I'm asking the lady, well, do I need to sign up for a voluntary case? She said, well, where are your psych meds? I said, ma'am, I'm I'm 38 years old. I keep my medicine in a pill bottle. I mean, in a pill container. I said, I'm, I've been through this. I don't keep bottles all laying around. And she said, well, that's not good. And at that time she said, um, do you, do you have a medical marijuana card? Because I don't, I can't take the pain pills. So I was, you know, using medical marijuana. But at that point, I didn't have a medical card because it had just expired. So she said, well, I'm going to keep in contact with you. So now I'm getting really angry. So I'm calling the lady like, please tell me if I can just sign up for a voluntary case. June 23rd, sir, they they disregarded everything that I have done in the past, how exceptional I've been. You know, June 23rd, sir, she came to my house, 8 o'clock in the morning. She had a warrant. She said, I'm taking these children to their father's house. Their father had never been around my daughters, never. So they take the kids, and I'm sorry for I'm about to sum it up. They take the children to my to their father's house. My family were laughing at me. July, he started getting my part of my disability. They gave him my food stamps. I had to put my stuff in storage. I gave my Ford Edge truck back. Now, sir, they're telling me I have to go to Torrance. Here it is. I'm in Van Nuys, California. I'm asking them in Van Nuys, like Chatsworth, why you can't pick me up a case? We're the old social workers who did, you know, family press. Oh, you can't talk to them. You can't talk to them. So now they try, they have me going to Monterey Park in Torrance. So I'm trying to make all the, the rides and catching the bus to get there. October, October of 2014, the same year, I walk into Sherman Oaks Emergency. I wake up two weeks later out of a coma. From the weight loss surgery, I had nine liters of abscess, um, 20, my blood, my, I had two blood transfusions, so I couldn't do anything. But I stayed in contact with the social worker. The social worker never never told me, you know, I asked her for housing, where can I go. Um, Sometimes I would go out to meet my kids. They weren't there. They told me I could call. But the social worker, uh, Miss Sawyer, she was so mean. And all my family, all the molesters, I had talked to the top administrator. All these people were around my children this whole time, taunting me. So there was nothing I can do, nothing at all. They closed the case May 15th of um, 2000 and what? 15. I couldn't do anything, sir. So the father had made accusations that I was trying to come over there and burn the house up. So then they put a restraining order on me and my kids. The last time I saw my kids was November 2014. I go up to the meeting. I had a ride to go to the meeting. My kids look like mess. They look like mess, sir. And I told the social worker, her Mercedes, I said, how can you let my kid this? What is going on? They had bed bugs and all that. Sir, 2015, I have another surgery. Now I'm in Santa Monica Rehabilitation Center because they said my health is failing on me. I had to have another surgery. 
I found a beautiful lawyer in 2016. Her name is Karen Rose. She took up my case. She only charged me uh, 7000 for my retainer, but she let me pay in increments. It took me a whole year, sir, a whole year. I hadn't seen, you know, all three years I hadn't seen my children. 2017, June 6th, family law judge North in the, in the um, city of Palmdale, I got my children back. When I got my child back, my children back June 6th of 2017, sir, my, my youngest daughter was sexually molested in the father's custody by his, by his other son who was a chemical-induced child, two chemical-induced children, you know. But basically, she, I have police support. We went to the Ingle Police Department. She, um, she said, Mom, because they were telling us at the Ingle Police Department, there's no penal code for that. And before we walked out, I just got them back, sir. And before we walked out, my, my 10-year-old, she said, Mom, please Google the penal, court, penal code. And she's screaming this to us July 16th. And when I went back to court July 18th and my lawyer, we had the police file, you know, the police number, the, the report number, the judge, the judge was, 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 he was hurt. He was hurt. This family law judge was hurt about my daughter being, the, the, the accusations were so explicit. But guess what, sir? This happened when they first got there, when the DCS case was open. Was open. The father wasn't keeping the children. His disabled um, blind mother was keeping my children. I got the police report, sir. Um, at first, the, the officers in Inglewood didn't want to give me a police report. You know, they said it was no penal code. I called the sheriff in Lancaster, California, the watch commander got on the phone and I had the officer, I had the um, sheriff on speaker and I walked up to the window. The officer, uh, the sheriff said, whoever, whatever police station you're at, they need to do a police report right now. So then I started contacting your office because my lawyer, Karen Rose, she said, if I was a civil lawyer, I would take your case. Now the truth is out, sir. Now the truth is out. How is Kimberly Powell getting three cases, three parenting classes, three, three, every time she, she seems to be approved and okay to keep her children. But because of her horrific past, all these accusations have been false. All the, and I was a teacher, accountant, intern, extensively doing well. Now, how is it now? I go through a family law judge, sir, never married to this guy, didn't, didn't even really know where he lived. And I got my children back. Now I started calling you guys the day I left court, July 18th. I had already been looking for civil lawyers. Somebody said, call this number. I called you guys, and I got, I met with, I talked with Miss Jacqueline Nunez. Beautiful lady. While I'm leaving court, I'm on the 14th freeway, and Miss Jacqueline Nunez talked to me. So beautiful. Understood everything that I had been going through, but she gave me so much compassion and so much empathy and so much knowledge that this wasn't my fault. And then my mother is starting to say, 74 years old, I'm so sorry, all these calls weren't true on your mom. So as Ms. Jacqueline wanted me to see her in July to come down and, you know, talk to you guys because she felt that it was enough information to sit down with a with an attorney, she felt. And I was like, okay. So, sir, next thing you know, I call Ms. Jacqueline the next day the next day, because now DCFS is calling me, telling me they need to investigate me. Now I'm in San Bernardino County, living in Fontana. Fontana, California, got a beautiful home, 1500 a month. Here I am getting reported to DCFS again, sir. I called Ms. Jacqueline. I said, I'm sorry. Today you have another investigation? You just got your children back. I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And she said, well, I ha you have to do what you have to do. She said, but I'm going to give you some advice. Make sure you do everything they ask you. She said, you can call your family law attorney. She said, or you can call us. Sir, my case is just, I just want my kids back. 
So now I do everything, but the lady told me. She said, if this, she said, your history is so bad. Out here in San Bernardino County, she said, your history is so bad. You might not ever get your kids back, sir. I, I was broken. But my children said, Mom, don't cry, because they're, they're very burnt out. You know, my daughter, my youngest daughter, had been going through so many changes. Come to find out they were abused in the family's home with a father. They were called crackheads by his children. And I called Miss Sawyer back at, the, at, at Palmdale, you know, in Torrance. And I said, Miss Sawyer, you know, I was telling the truth, and this is what happened to my daughters. You know what Miss Sawyer said? There is nothing I can do about it. And that's all I wanted um, to tell you is because I've been a victim. My daughter is going to therapy. They act so different. He he was selling um, cigarettes, all these drugs out of his house and soliciting like it's a candy house. And I always wanted to protect my daughters from being sexually assaulted or sexually molested or having their grandfather, which is my father, call me crazy and do all this dysfunctional stuff. So all I'm asking you is that, from your standpoint, do you feel that I have a, a good enough case to go civil against DCFS? The answer based upon what you've told me so far, yes. Yes, I do. Amen. And I want to let you know something. I called you. I called you. I, I talked to you when I'm um, 2002. 15, when I was in a rehabilitation program in Santa Monica, all these older folks, I called you, sir. I said, sir, I need some help. I said, they took my kids. And you know what you told me? You said, it's going to take all of Jesus and 10,000 or more with what you've been through to get your kids back. And here it is, 2017, I'm speaking with you. I thank you, sir. I thank you, sir. Don't freeze and tell me that. My daughter screams at me. My daughter screams at me. She told me that they told her I was the lowest thing on earth and to know that I couldn't protect her. And my father told her, my father said, oh, well, you were a little girl. But he told me that. He told me that. And I never knew. Seven years ago, sir, I found out my mom's mom is related to J. Edgar Hoover. And so we have the books and everything. So my family for 30 years have been doing this sick stuff. And I'm not letting it happen to my children. So now we're on the path of healing, and I'm staying away from all of them. But my mom is actively telling everybody that she can't take it, that these were cause and false accusations on my mom. And that's how the investigation got closed, because come to find out the baby father, now he owes me all the child support. Sir, they had even start charging me child support, but I was already he was already getting 581 out of my disability. If I wouldn't have done research last year, sir, I mean he they he, they were giving him money and I was five thousand dollars in back pay. So everything is cleared out now. Now he has a DCFS case. I don't know if they followed through, but my daughter, the ten year old, she wants to get the story out. And I want to say thank you for your office, your front staff, but Jacqueline Nunez. I mean, when I talked back to her recently, sir, she knew everything in detail. I didn't have to say anything. That lady has been checking on me extensively. So I want to say you have whatever her position is at your office, she's more than a worker, sir. And she encouraged me. I have homework for you to do. And step by step, she said, Kimberly, you're going to make it through this. So thank you, sir, for listening. All right. Thank you very much for calling and sharing your story with us. Okay, so do you know um, if I'm if I'm applicable to see you? 
I'm going to do right now is I'm going to talk about um, something that I talk to many clients about, and that's about whether they want to be right or whether they want to be whether they want to win. When you go to court, any superior court matter, for example, the juvenile dependency case, you have two choices. The first choice is to be right, and the second choice is to win your case and get your children back. They are not the same. You will be appointed a lawyer if you do not have funds to hire a private attorney. My suggestion is, is to always follow the lawyer's advice. The lawyer does have experience, does have extra knowledge about these types of cases, so you should always meet with your lawyer, try to strategize your lawyer, and figure out what you have to do to win in a case. The next call that I'm going to take is from area code 213 ending in 46. Hello. Good morning. I'm with Attorney Vincent Good. Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Yes, I had a story to tell and then a question to ask at the end. Good morning. My name Go is Shanice. And, um, okay, um, I was in foster care when I was 11. They came to my school and picked me up for my school. Um, I was in the sixth grade. And they took me to a foster home. And um, no explanation, no anything of the sort of, um, you know, what went on, what happened, or anything like that. Um, I was unable to talk to any family members, my mom, or anything until the first time we went to court. When we went to court, I... It was my brother and myself, and we both went with an auntie. Um, they said that we can go live with um, either one of our aunties. So he went to stay with one. I went to stay with one. Okay, I stayed with my auntie, I say, about four months. She put me back in the system. Um, during this time that I was in foster care, um, I was in like five or six different foster cares, um, unfit. They put um, locks on the cabinet, locks on the refrigerator. Um, we couldn't use the phone um, probably like 10, 15 minutes. Um, we wasn't, it was like sort, you know, um, each house had a different like rule, like, um, and it was no like, um, uh, and even one of my foster parents was a teacher, and it was no, like, extra help in um, academics, um, no extra, um, like, we didn't have sports, we didn't get in um, drill teams, softball, um, volleyball, do things like that. And we was told that they, they didn't have money for that. So um, during this time, I was um, molested. I was treated um, badly. Um, we hardly, you know, um, received shoes, clothing, 
um, getting our hair done, um, different things like that, the school supplies, none of that. It was like we had to do it um, on our on our own. One of um, my foster sisters worked at McDonald's, and she would have to bring us food because the foster mother wouldn't even um, cook or um, buy us food um, many of nights. Um, so, okay, that's over with. So foster care is over with. So now I'm at, right now I'm at where I'm having a lot of mental health issues. I'm going to see doctors, uh, psychiatrists, therapists, and um, and it's due to the shock of me being taken from my mom's home, having my own room, until staying with strangers who didn't care about you, who didn't treat you fairly, treat you differently, and which you saw. So my question is, do I have a civil um, lawsuit against the um, state? The answer is, is that you probably do, or maybe you did. You had until you were about um, 22 to bring a lawsuit against the foster uh, families and against the state of California and the county of Los Angeles. Um, from the sound of your voice, you may be older than 22. So if you have, if you are older than 22, if you file the lawsuit, what the uh, defendants are going to claim right from the beginning is the statute of limitations defense, which means, hey, you waited too long to sue us, and therefore your case should be thrown out. So you did have a lawsuit, but if you're over 22, that lawsuit um, basically has evaporated. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm over 22. It was a while ago, but, you know, um, you know, not being educated and not knowing these things, you know, I'm just now coming to realization, like, you know, that was, I was, it was fairly, it was fairly wrong in every way. They put me now, with there um, is an exception. There is an exception. Um, if you have any type of physical or um, psychological disability, um, you could ask the court to allow your case to proceed because it was, it would be fair to what they call stay the statute of limitations because of your disability. So you might still be able to uh, have a lawsuit. I know that at the beginning you mentioned some type of um, psychological disability. So as I think about it, you still may have a lawsuit. It, it, you know, and it also depends on how long you waited after you've turned 22. But if I were you, I would consult with an attorney and see if one of those exceptions to the statute of limitations applies. It's called tolling the statute of limitations. In other words, holding it back because some people aren't um, able to, uh, you know, bring a lawsuit by the time they're 22 for some, you know, for various reasons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I didn't have no means. I didn't have nowhere to stay. To where to stay? I was homeless. Um, I didn't have no job. I didn't have nothing. I didn't know nothing. You know, 
they don't give you information on what to do and, you know, where to go and, and things like that. And then you separated from your family. It was, it was just hard. So um, do you have an um, a office or a lawyer or anybody that um, I may talk to? Sure. Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Yes. Okay, I'm going to give you a phone number. You can call it today after 9 a.m., and you can make an appointment to speak to me or one of my lawyers. The number is 888-888-6582. That's 888-888-6582. Please give us a call after 9 a.m. and make an appointment. We'd love to talk to you, and thank you very much for calling and sharing your very personal story. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty. Right now I'm going to take a call. I can't tell the um, I can't tell the area code um, showing up as 111111111. So let's go. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Mr. Davis. Fox Sloan of the Child and Family Rights Advocates of of Santa Cruz County, California. Well, good morning, Santa Cruz. How are you? (laughs) We're doing really well. We're basically over it. Um, We are looking at the uh, justice system as having absolutely no justice. We have uh, administrating hearing officers who have been arrested um, for stalking. Um, Some of them we consider psychopaths. One has a drinking problem. Another one is in senility. And these people are making decisions about our children. There's so many avenues we're finding opening up instead of going through this kangaroo court system is to request investigations from judicial oversight committees, FBI, um, Homeland Security for whatever that's worth, to look at these people as child traffickers and domestic terrorists. And I would never go back into that system again unless it was just to prove how really bad they were once and for all. And we're up against next month. November is National Adoption Month, thanks to the Clintons, Hillary and Bill. Boy, weren't they great. And now I think we should turn it around to take our lives and our families back month. And we should file with our local grand jury, our DA, to open investigations against all these people since we can't sue them because that takes years. But how about investigating them? I know in my daughter's case, once the grand jury got involved and proved that the jail was liable, that they were neglectful and allowed her to commit suicide, 
we were able to get a multi-million dollar settlement for wrongful death. But until these people are charged with the felonies that they are committing, both from taking our children and worst of all, letting children in their custody die, be abused, neglected, and molested, where are we going to go? What's your opinion on that, Mr. Davis? I think um, elected officials or government officials should always be held accountable. And one of the things that I hope you're able to help me with, and one of the purposes of this radio show, is to organize people so that they can vote. They can vote for or against judges who are not family-friendly. They can vote for or against state legislators and try to, you know, who aren't passing laws um, that are family-friendly for those families involved in CPS courts in all 57 or 58 counties in California. Um, one of the things that I, I'd like to see is that everyone who goes to CPS court and has allegations against them be given the opportunity to have a jury trial. seems to be the benchmark of our system of justice. Yet today in our state, uh, no, there is no jury trial available if you're accused of some type of abuse. If you're a relative trying to get your child or your relative child out of foster care placement, there is no jury no members of the community who are there to help us. So what I think is I think the power of the vote is the most important power that people have. And if it can be organized, we can make changes. We are organizing. We're, we've, it's wonderful. People are really standing up. And I want to make sure you're still available to be on a radio show next month up here in Santa Cruz. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about uh, the bleeding of Social Security dry in order to um, keep our kids in foster placement. Um, we had a, a term come across um, one of our sites the other day called Maximus, and children being used as commodities on the stock market. And if you, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but if you know anything about how children are being bartered um, through this economic system like the stock market, I'd really like to know more about it. Okay. You call me, you let me know, and I'll be there. Okay. I'm calling your office this morning, and we'll get something set up. Thank you so much for Thank being there. Me. God bless you. Thank you. That was a call from Santa Cruz for uh, crusaders up there trying to make changes in these laws. Next uh, call I'm going to take is from area code 323, ending in 90. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hi. Good morning, Mr. Davis. Um, I'm calling just to ask a question in regards to um, something that she was stating as well, is um, who is prosecuting these DCFS workers when they are not doing their jobs and these children are ending up dead? 
in my case, my children were given back to the father. And when we got to dependency court, they actually uh, terminated the case. And um, just looking through the report, everything reflected abuse on the hands of the father. Even the children had been interviewed and stated that they were afraid of their father, um, that they're scared and they feel safe at home with mom. All the allegations pointed to him. And when the children were returned to him, he had my kids for at least a week before he entered court. And I could tell that he had been coaching them. And that is their job to determine and, and see if they had been coached. And they actually dropped the case based on the interview that they had with my children and just kind of just threw out all of the allegations and, um, and dismissed the whole petition that they filed in dependency court and told me to go and pursue my case with family law court. So I'm being uh, given back to family law court who I've been having issues with already. They're not looking at the evidence. DCFS is not doing their job. Now I filed paperwork and I actually have to wait until November 29th because the judge in that court said he didn't see it emergency enough. So my child's broken arm and bruises and belt marks and scrapes and scratches and all these things are not emergency enough to even place my children in protective custody with a family member. And the judicial system and DCFS are failing our children. And, it, and it's ridiculous that they're able to get away with this and even go to sleep at night. I'm losing my mind. I don't have my children here. I don't know where this man is with his girlfriend. And, and their motives are only just to get welfare and keep these children simply to get welfare. And even though I have a paper trail three volumes long, I don't have a lawyer. I don't have anyone to represent me. And it's sad that when you go through all these things and you've built a paper trail and it's not being looked at in the proper manner and people are biased and prejudiced, uh, they assume, okay, it's a, a child custody case. Maybe she's just upset and uh, maybe she's just making these allegations up, but who cares? Let's just transfer it back to that county. And there's going back and forth between LA County and San Bernardino County. And we've seen it before with, with other children that have ended up dead of, uh, uh, Gabriel Fernandez in, in Palmdale, or this young man who the father said he lost a kid at the park, and he was on his way to Las Vegas with a mustache on, and come to find out he killed that baby. And it's like, do I have to wait for my children to end up dead before these people do their jobs? I mean, I don't want to wait to the last minute to say, okay, I want to sue this county or sue that county or bring criminal charges. They should be doing their jobs. They, should, they need to be held accountable for their actions or what they're not doing. I'm looking through this report that went to dependency court, and I'm like, you can just see her bias and prejudice. She's like, everything is against the father, but yet the mom, she's neglecting to protect her children because they're going back and forth in court. So you actually are bringing me in dependency court as well? And what is your evidence of that? There's nothing other than she's been complaining. I've been complaining so much. And it's like, like the woman said before, they're not listening. I've complained to the senators, to Congress people, to Los Angeles County supervisors. I've gone to legal aid and resource centers, and I'm not getting the help that I need because I don't have money. I can't afford a lawyer. So that means my kids have to end up dead because I can't afford a lawyer. So who's, where's the humanity here? Who's going to stop this from happening to our kids? It's not fair. I called all these lawyers 
And my, my main thing was, let me see if somebody would just represent me in a civil case, because I know I have a civil case against these counties. They completely dropped the ball. They've been lying. It's been documented even in their reports and mine. I keep great ledger. And here I am trying to find somebody to even try to represent you simply, and I can't even get that. Oh. So my kids are there with this man and his girlfriend living God knows where. He won't even take my kids to the doctor if he abuses them. She came back with a broken arm after a whole week. And he didn't even administer medical care. So what happens? He end up dead. Then what is he going to do? Nobody will even know. They're not doing their job. But I don't have money. Everything resolves around money nowadays. If you don't have money, you're not going to get anywhere. I'm not a lawyer. I never went to law school. I don't know how to go in there and verbally just put everything in order the way they want me to put it down in order for it to seem emergency enough. But my kids are suffering. That should be emergency enough. And it's not for them. And there's not a lawyer in this town that will represent me based on these facts and these facts alone. It's horrible, Mr. Davis. It's horrible. Your law firm is the only one that has these kind of outreach for us. Nobody else. I've called all over the state of California, and this is the only place that I feel that even gave me a call back so I can voice my grievance. It's horrible. What are we supposed to do? You know, I've often thought that our country and in access to justice, meaning being able to hire a lawyer, should be a right or should be something that the government would help with. And if you are able to join our fight and our voting block, maybe we can vote or ask to make changes in the law so that people who are in your position have assistance when they need with respect to their children. I want to thank you for calling in today and sharing your story with us. That issue about access to justice is um, a very interesting issue because for the most part, if you aren't able to hire a lawyer, um, you basically don't have access to justice. And in many of these um, CPS cases, you are given a court-appointed lawyer. Court-appointed lawyers are like everything else in life. There are some really good court-appointed lawyers. There are some really bad court-appointed lawyers, and then there's a lot of court-appointed lawyers in the middle. Same for private lawyers. In a criminal case, you're because you're in jeopardy of going to jail, uh, you are given a court-appointed attorney. In a family law case, when you are fighting for custody and visitation of your child, which the last caller seemed to be doing, you are not given a court-appointed attorney. And I think perhaps maybe at least California should lead the nation and revisit that issue and that idea. I'm going to take the next call from area code 818, ending in 48. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince. 
Good morning. Okay. We have Dave? technical difficulties there. Mr. David? <clears throat> Hello. You know how technical difficulties. I'm going to take a call from area code 925, ending in 29. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Do you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hi, uh, good morning, uh, Mr. Davis. I, I just have a question to ask. Hold on a minute. Let me uh, walk out of the... Uh, I wanted to know uh, what laws are being passed right now that are uh, that are going to be affecting us. And also, I wanted to know, are you going to be running for anything? If not, can you run for something, please, so we can vote for you? Oh, you're too kind, ma'am. <clears throat> I, I do not plan on running for anything, um, but I am. What I'd like to do is I'd like to help organize voters at the county and state level, so that we can effectuate change with respect to the judges that are voted in and out of um, office that sit in juvenile dependency courts, so that we can make sure that we have family-friendly judges. I want to be able to organize voters to vote at the state level and at the federal level so that we can change laws to make the laws more family friendly. In my humble opinion, I've been a lawyer for over 30 years, in my humble opinion, the laws in juvenile court are not strong enough in it when, it, when you look at it from a family friendly perspective. A lot of laws are there that seem on their face to uh, support families being kept together, but in many instances they're being interpreted in a different way. Now that's just my humble opinion, and I think we need to get judges in there at the trial court level and at the appellate level who are going to be more family focused. <clears throat> because after all, as the United States Supreme Court has said, the family is the fabric of our society. And I think that it's just too easy to take kids away from parents and put them in foster care. Now, don't get me wrong. Is there ever child abuse where children should be protected? Yes. But those cases, in my opinion, are few and far between. And I think, I think the emphasis on our laws today is more on about money. It seems that the way the system is set up now is the economic benefits to the county and state governments are to take children away, not to keep them together. Many years ago, there was something called family preservation. Instead of your taking your child away, um, they would spend the money to keep give you services to keep the child in the family home. Today when I go to court and I try to ask about those family preservation services, each county calls it something a little bit different. Um, it's like pulling teeth from the social workers in the counties because when they give you family preservation, they're spending real dollars in their budgets. And I don't think they want to spend the dollars. They want to make the dollars by keeping the child out of the home. So that's my two cents. I, I, I don't plan on running for office. I have a law firm where you know I enjoy helping people, 
and um, I think that's where my calling is, is at the grassroots, uh, trying to help people. Um, but I would love to organize so that we can vote for, to get in people that will help us in our fight. Did you have another I, I agree with. Yes, I agree with everything you said. And do you, uh, is there a website or do you have a website where we can find information on when we vote on the judges? Because a lot of people, you know, in different counties, they don't know when these judges get voted in or out. Right. You know, um, I don't have a website right now. It's being developed. There is a couple of websites. There are a few websites that are out there um, that cover all judges nationwide. Oh, okay. Uh, and I and I think you can Google something like Judicial Watch, something like that, and you can um, begin your search on Google because Google knows all. My particular site is going to be devoted to uh, juvenile judges and family law judges, um, but. If you want information on a particular judge now, there are reviews on judges, especially in California, that are published, and you can just Google uh, judge reviews or something like that, and you'll be able to find it. The problem is it's going to give you reviews on all kinds of judges, criminal judges, probate judges, mental health judges, traffic judges, you know, and I'm just civil judges, and I just want to focus on you know, the family judges, uh, the judges that, you know, affect families' lives and children's lives. And those are the CPS juvenile judges and the um, the family law judges. Ma'am, I want to thank you for your call and sharing. And if I ever change my mind about running for uh, an office, you'll be the first to know. Thank you very much, Vincent. Have a great day. God bless you. We're running out of time this morning. I'm going to try to take one more call. It's um, area code 818 ending in 48. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Mr. Davis, I just want to say my phone had got kicked out of the cube. I just want to let you know that I thank you um, for sharing your, I mean, for just allowing us and giving us a platform. The stories that I heard this morning, even my own, but the other stories that I heard, you had empathy. And I just want to say that if I don't get invited, can I still be on the uh, queue on Saturdays just to listen? Yes, you can also listen on any device at www.talkradioexperts.com. Okay. So you don't necessarily have okay. to call. You don't necessarily have to call in to listen. Or, okay. or there's another way. And, to listen. And, mm-hmm. My my producer just informed me. You could go to Blog Talk Radio and look up our show and mm-hmm. listen to our show live, or you can listen to the recorded shows that are there. Blog okay, that's fine. And okay, and one more uh, question because I know Miss uh, Nunez wanted me to make sure. This is Kimberly Powell. I was talking at the first call. I was the first caller. But is it possible? Do you said that you do think I have a civil case? Can I make an appointment to come see you? Absolutely. If you have a pen, I'll give you a number to call today after nine o'clock. You can call and I have, I have all of your data. numbers. Yeah, I have all of the numbers. <laughs> okay, so we'll thank you so much. Nine. Make an appointment. Yes, thank sir. Thank you very much for calling. Thank you.
Mm-hmm. Okay, there are about seven minutes left in the show. I'm going to try to take one more call. It's uh, area code 562 ending in 17. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. We may be having some technical problems. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Hello. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can Hello. Hear you loud and clear. You have a... Okay. I can hear you loud Thank and clear. Thank you. You have a... St- just, Do you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Just um, one question is that um, when hearings get postponed, and it seems like every step of our way our hearings get postponed, what's going to stop them from constantly postponing these hearings so we'll never get a chance to have a hearing? Okay, so when a hearing gets postponed in juvenile court, um, there are many, many reasons why it can be postponed. Uh, sometimes, you know, the judge is out. Sometimes one of the attorneys is out. Um, I was on a case this week. I had two two different cases on two different days in two different courthouses, and they were both postponed. I show up one day for trial, and the hearing was postponed because the minor's attorney had called in sick. The very next day in another courthouse, um, I showed up for a trial, and the judge was out. The judge had called in sick. Different different counties, as a matter of fact. So there are a lot of reasons why um, hearings can get postponed. But um, if you're insistent, your hearing will go forward and will be heard. It's your right to have that hearing. Understood. But the the problem is historically we've had numerous hearings that keep get postponed, and it just worries me that they'll just end up postponing because I realize that people are sick. I realize people are problem. The problem is it becomes a habit, it's a stall tactic by um, by the system that works for um, the social services. It's just they don't want to address the issues or hear the issues, and it's just it's very costly. It's very time consuming. And it's very uh, hard on on the, on the children because they get promised and their hopes are up, and that it never takes place. And that's the only thing I'm concerned about. Yeah. Is that? Are, go ahead. I can I can I can I can see why you say that. You know, one of the things that's happened over the past five or six years, when the recession had hit back in 2008, it took a couple of years to affect the superior courts in California, and it's taking a few years for them to recover. And so what happens in a lot of these courtrooms and courthouses, there's not enough judges, and there's too many cases. And what happens is they start doing cases by order of priority. So in juvenile cases, um, there's an order of priority. Uh, and sometimes, you know, if you, your case doesn't have the highest priority, you get it the short end of the stick. So it's really, you know, in some instances, um, it's not CPS not wanting to address it. It's that the judge doesn't have the time to address it. You know, most judges start at 8.30 a.m. They work to noon. 
and they have an hour and a half break and they work from 1.30 to 4 or 4.30. So if you think about it, you know, a courtroom that has 20, 30 cases, it's very hard to do those cases in that set amount of hour, hours. The only thing that they can do is they can add judges. Now, I know in Los Angeles County they have a new um, they have a new uh, presiding judge for juvenile court, and his name is uh, Judge Lavanis. And what he's done is he's opened up several new courts um, and added judges. Uh, to fully utilize all the courtrooms out in Monterey Park. And in my opinion, that's really helped the caseloads of the judges there. And in my opinion, they're able to do more cases each day. So I'm not sure where your case is, but it's probably in a county where they don't have enough judges to, to handle the growing number of juvenile dependency cases. Sir, I want to thank you for your call and sharing that with us this morning. We're running out of time. I'm going to try to take one more call. Area code 909, ending in zero, zero 04. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Uh, yes. Vince, are you there? Go ahead. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, I, I Hi, how you doing? I just want to know. I want to know how I go about taking my uh, case to federal courts um, because I want to know why why they're saying that my recordings for my visit are not going to be admissible, and when they're when they're when they're against us and they're making accusations against us, you know, as a parent, but they're not admissible in the court of law when the recordings are blatantly one way, and then what she's saying is, is completely opposite of what they are when you hear them yourself. So. We have a very short period of time left. I want you to call next week, but I want to try to give you an answer this week. First of all, whether, whether um, your secret recordings of your visitations are admissible is, in my opinion, a gray area. Um, I think that if you and your attorney do some legal research, you might be able to get those um, recordings into evidence. If you can't get them into evidence, recordings transcribed, okay, and you can transcribe them, transcribe them yourself, um, because even if they were admissible, you'd have to have them transcribed. Have them transcribed and then uh, insist that the judge, um, that you file them with the court, and they call it lodged with the court. So if your case ever goes up on appeal, those transcripts will be there as well. And also you can use them to tell the court what you uh, heard at the uh, visitation, and you are using those transcripts or the recordings to refresh your recollection. In my opinion, that will be powerful. But I want you to call next week, next Saturday. Call earlier, and we'll talk. I want to thank yeah, you I would for really look all this. Okay, yeah. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next, next week on the radio.